This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. Thanks to John Walsh for the last two hours. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock this morning. And on the programme, the already hard-hit bricks-and-mortar retail sector has been badly hit by COVID. We'll talk to retail expert James Burke about the good, the bad and the ugly of retailing in the age of COVID. Rosemary Steen, the new Chief Executive of the Design and Crafts Council of Ireland, will be talking... uh, be joining us to talk about the Made Local campaign. We'll be telling you more about the Virgin Media Backing Business campaign and talk to Elaine Carroll, of the CEO of the All-Ireland Business Foundation. And Anya Carey of Carlow Local Enterprise Office will be joining us to talk about the Shop Local Shop Safe campaign in Carlow. But first, Heritage Week kicks off today and over the next week you'll be hearing a lot about heritage on KCLR. So we thought it would be a good idea to talk about heritage and where it fits into business and the economy, its potential for employment, the responsibilities and the opportunities which it presents for business owners. I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Malcolm Noonan, who is Minister for State for Heritage and, of course, is Green Party TD for Carlow Kilkenny. Good morning, Malcolm. Good morning, John. How are you this morning? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Uh, getting re- ready for a very busy Heritage Week uh, 2020, a very different Heritage Week 2020, um, given the circumstances that we're in. But we are focused on heritage education this year and learning from our heritage and very much uh, prog- projects-focused uh, event this year where a lot of the online content will be created for newsletters, for websites, blogs, etc. But there are some actual events as well. There's events in Kilkenny and Carlow and Tree Castles and Freshford and I hope to be attending the, some of those during the week as well. Yeah, now it's a changed environment, isn't it? Like normally we'd be in the midst of Kilkenny Arts Festival, there'd be people thronging the streets, but COVID has changed all that. From your perspective now in government, Malcolm, how are you finding it and what do you make of the situation facing the country and in particular on this programme facing the business community? Yeah, certainly. I mean, Kilkenny, we, we know that that same familiar pattern, the Arts Festival, Heritage Week and the All-Ireland, it almost fo- follows as a, as a rite of passage. But uh, it's very changed and there's no doubt we're in deeply worrying times as COVID continues to wreak havoc across the business sector and across all facets of society, John. But um, I, I'm, you know, I'm hopeful that we will get through it. We will get through it collectively and collaboratively. I think government is responding uh, on on the on the go almost on a daily basis, trying to respond to the needs. We, you know, the shutdown in in Kildare and Offaly and and Leash has been really unfortunate. Um, and I, but at the t- at the same time, I think it's important to try and test those type of regional lockdowns to see so that we we try and minimise the impact on on the wider economy in Ireland. Um, but I, I do think the package of, of, uh, of support announced yesterday by Minister Michael McGrath will go some way towards helping uh, the various sectors. Uh, you know, I've had representations from the, the pub trade, what we call the wet pub trade, who are, are finding it extremely challenging and they have a specific set of asks of supports for them as well. And I do, even from a heritage perspective, I realise the value of our old traditional pubs, many of whom just find it very difficult to reconfigure uh, reopening for uh, in, in COVID times. 
Yeah, and and staycations now, the order of the day, um, a, a bit of, you know, people like getting abroad, but there's a lot to be seen uh, in this area. And of course, um, you know, the, the wet pubs, as you call it, being closed is a big difficulty, but the hospitality sector facing a lot of um, uh, challenges, but opportunities as well with uh, a lot of people around and heritage, a big attraction. Heritage is a huge attraction. I was uh, in Clare and in uh, Carlow and in Limerick uh, over the past week, and I've seen what businesses are doing. Really clever, innovative work. I was in Bunratty, and um, there's some lots of really good. Uh, but what I'm finding really interesting is that families are going out and they're just they're really discovering and getting into their heritage, into built heritage, natural heritage. I was up in the Burren last week, and there was a lot of uh, people travelling through there, and they're spending money in the local economy, which is fantastic. Uh, hotels, B&Bs are benefiting from it. So um, that's all good, and I, and I hope that continues as a, as a trend. You know, environmentally, it's it's better as well because there's far uh, fewer of us flying, and we have an amazing country here. You know, I think that that's um, that's really to to the benefit of local economies, and I, I'm delighted that that heritage, and particular natural heritage, throughout the the real um, the last number of months has proven invaluable people's well-being and their mental health uh, through through the lockdown, etc. Talk to us a bit, Malcolm, about what you see as the link between heritage and business and, and the economy and, and all of that kind of stuff. Because I have to say, I've met business people over the years who who view it as a bit of a, a kind of an expensive um, millstone around their neck if they're trying to do something, if they're trying to redevelop an old building and they say, well, I have to get an archaeologist and it's cost, cost, cost. And many people don't see the value in it. What do you think of all that area? Well, I mean, Corey's uh, carried out a piece of research for the Heritage Council a number of years ago about the economic value of built heritage. And I think there's some really interesting stats in that that show that there is a multiplier effect, not just in terms of apprenticeships in, in reskilling in the works that are needed to be done to our old building stock, but also in the value that that brings to our Irish towns, the uniqueness of our Irish towns and our villages and our larger cities. And for me, over the course of this term of government, what I really want to focus on is on our town centres and the, the heritage-led regeneration of them. And uh, while it is certainly I can appreciate and have spoken to many premises owners uh, who who are living in or working or um, own heritage buildings and see it as a burden, what we want to try and do is reduce the, the bureaucracy and uh, improve the, the regulatory environment and uh, grants and supports to help people to um, look after those premises because there is a value and people are absolutely gravitating towards places where built heritage is strong and there's a good sense and a good feel around the the public realm. Uh, I was in Ennis this week and they've pedestrianised most of the town centre and it's really, like Kilkenny and like Carlo, there's a really strong built heritage value there. Um, Carlo Town has spoken spoken to the CEO of Carlo County Council and uh, she's very ambitious for the town centre. I think there's a beautiful built fabric there and I would love to see uh, a, a really big regeneration project in the town centre and they have good ambition for it so I think we're now seeing that value and I really want to see uh, the supports at government level put in place to reduce the burden uh, that, that many might perceive to be there yeah, um, it's an interesting and a very broad breadth, really, because if you think of Carlow Kilkenny, our heritage extends from, say, the Browns Hill Dolmen in Carlow, which is thousands of years old, up to kind of relatively modern pubs, but still modern pubs, or you might have an old hardware shop. That's heritage as well, but they're under commercial 
pressure um, in in a world of consolidation and multinational brands and moves online. How do you see um, government supporting those kind of individual um, businesses, you know, that maybe they're through families but are just finding it hard to compete against the Amazons and the Googles and so on? Yeah, and I, I think it's a huge set of challenges they're facing. And again, the, the town centre's first policy, which we put into the programme for government, is looking at a Scottish model, which is a whole suite of policies that prioritise the town centre, so that if you're looking at social housing policy, you try and do infill development in the town centre to get families living back in the core of a town, that you uh, really go for high-value public realm, uh, bring in town architects like they did in Westport and Clonakilty, and you um, really reconfigure public spaces so that people want to spend time in there, they want to go for a coffee, and it's a very much a different experiential uh, visit that they would take into a town centre than they would to your retail park. So I think that's really important that we look at that built heritage, we look at the heritage assets, uh, we gather data, which is really important. That's some of the work we're doing with the support of the Heritage Council, uh, and we see wh- where the pitfalls are. You know, sometimes uh, you look at the, you know Kilkenny and it's one-way system. The, the the you know the retailers might think that the challenges are rates and car parking. Sometimes it might be very different, and people love Kilkenny and anywhere I go, they love Kilkenny. They love the feel of the town centre, and I think that's down to good proactive policy through the local authority. But the but the number of empty shop units has increased over recent years in Kilkenny and Carlow, and it's a constant um, a constant challenge. And there's a fear that that's going to be accelerated by COVID. Um, what role would you see for the government? Because every I totally agree, everybody loves a, a thriving town centre, but the economic pressures on people trying to establish businesses in them are absolutely huge. They are, and I I, I agree. And I, I think I mean if you look at vacancy rates in town centres in Ireland. They can vary anything from a place like Kilkenny, 12 to 15%. Carlow could be up to 20%. I was in Tipperary last week. The vacancy rates there in retail are about 25%. That's huge. That's huge. And it, it, on European terms, in the Netherlands and places like that, they would consider 5 6% to be a crisis. So that's the context in, in which we're in. Mm. And I think from that point of view, it's really important that that whole suite of policies that we're talking about, uh, removing cars out of town centres, pedestrianisation, public realm, greening our urban spaces, uh, making them vibrant places to live. And if if need be, uh, bringing a lot of shop premises down to full occupancy, taking the retail out of the ground floor. You know, if if you look at uh, many towns would have uh, subdivided and brought in extra retail units as part of new developments um, on the periphery and created actually extra retail that probably isn't needed. So we we need to bring our town centres back to that, as I said, more experiential visits where there's uh, speciality coffee houses, um, there's lovely uh, boutiques and and really good restaurants and cafes, and that would, uh, you know, bring people into a town to spend extra time there and extra money. And I think that's that that requires that heritage-led investment, where you look at the detail of the finishes on shop fronts, the signs, the the painting schemes. Um, all of those, to me, I see as being hugely important in in the look and a feel of a town. Uh, um, I think many people would agree with that, um, but where's the investment going to come from in a context whereby we're probably at the very early stages of the biggest financial meltdown the world has seen in modern times? I, I, I disagree that it's going to be a huge meltdown. I mean, if you look at the underlying economic trends in Ireland, um, up to the time COVID hit, the, the economic trends are really good. We're in full employment, and the, the tax receipts in general aren't, haven't fallen hugely. 
money is cheap and the, you know, I think borrowing by government is, is virtually free. So there's, you know, there's, there, if we get through this in a relatively short space of time, I think the economy will recover quite quickly. So mm. I, I think, it, it, you know, one thing that government has been absolutely clear about is that it's not going to be an austerity-led program. It has to be investment-led. Okay. So uh, I think, I, so on that, in that context, it's important that the urban development funds, all those funds that local authorities are really good at drawing down, are kept in place, that they can, uh, as I said, lead that charge on, on, on um, urban renewal. Um, so what would you be hoping to achieve, Malcolm? Have you a, 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 a personal agenda, I suppose, in terms of what you would hope to achieve as Minister for Heritage in that particular area? What kind of mark would you be hoping to leave over the next three to five years if the government lasts that long? Yeah, the, the the big one for me is is to see the investment in heritage brought back up to its historic levels pre two thousand and eight. There was huge cuts after the the crash, and I want the heritage sector recognised for what it is as not some fluffy add on, but actually a really important and strong sector. There's the biodiversity element of it through the National Parks and Wildlife Service that I want to see their funding brought back up. Our marine protected coastal areas. Uh, the marine planning framework, which is vitally important uh, for offshore wind, and also the built heritage sector. The, uh, I, I want to see that as a driver of, of economic development, that we can um, reskill and apprentice uh, lots of young people to be involved in that heritage regeneration. And what about the, the town centres, Malcolm? We, we mentioned Kilkenny and Carlow. I've talked to people in the local authorities. I've talked to people who live in, in the town centres. There's a lot of frustration that they can't seem to crack it as to how to get more people living in in the centre. You talked about clearing cars out of centres but a feeling that a lot of people need cars. Yeah, they do. And But, you know, that that's about, if, we, if we're looking forward, I mean, I, I looked at in, in Ennis, the, 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 um, the County Council showed me their 2040 plan, so they're looking that far ahead. We have to look beyond the narrow confines of the five-year development plan and look to 20, 30 years' time. What are the trends going to be like? Are we going to have uh, autonomous vehicles on the outskirts of cities that you get on an app on your phone to come in and collect you. You, you know, you, you can't keep uh, reconfiguring uh, town centres to accommodate more and more cars when the trend in 10 or 20 years' time could be very different. So I think we, we're really good that we have a public transport service in Kilkenny. Carlo is next on the list, and I hope it's going to be an electric service there. And, uh, and we need to really invest in, in cycling and walking because that permeability brings people in in a very comfortable and a very safe way into their town centres. So it's all of those elements combined, I think, with the collective work of hard work and the bravery of our retailers in the town centre, because I have to say that, because I, I see such amazing courage and willingness to, to, to collaborate, uh, to reconfigure spaces. I, you know, even in, uh, I, I just see that as the, the, the way forward to, to, to turn things around for, for, for our town centres. Okay, Malcolm, we leave it there. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. That's uh, Minister Malcolm Noonan, who's Minister for State for Heritage and Electoral Reform in the current government, joining us to talk to us at the start of Heritage Week. And do stay tuned across KCLR. From Heritage, we're going to talk bricks and mortar retail coming up. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, offering a broad range of business and advisory services to businesses large and small across the southeast. KCLR. The heart of two counties. 
You're very welcome back. It's just 22 and a half minutes after nine o'clock. John Purcell with you on the bottom line on Casey Lauren. Our next guest uh, joined us at the end of May and at that stage in the COVID story, we were examining how retailers and businesses in general would be open... excuse me, uh, would be able to reopen safely and the measures that they could and were putting in place. And we were talking to James Burke, who's a retail expert, having spent many years with retail superstars, Superquin, and in a range of other groups. Uh, James runs a retail consultancy and works with many restaurants and food businesses and retailers all over the country. He joins me on the line. Good morning, James. Morning, John. How are you? Good, thanks. A lot of water under the bridge since last we talked at the end of May. Tell us how retail is getting on in your view. Yeah, it's very much polarised, I suppose, in that there are different experiences, a lot of different experiences by sector. I definitely acknowledge that there are some retail sectors in, in bad shape. Um, and, you know, despite their best efforts. So if I take the wedding piece and how that cascades into retail. So we know that the wedding numbers are down to practically nothing because of the, the capacity, the cap on numbers that attend the wedding. So therefore, the weddings are mainly pushed back to next year. But of course, that cascades into the, 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 the suit hire business, the mother of the bride business. And we're seeing all of the retailers in that section having practically no, small amounts, but practically no business. So despite their best efforts and the best marketing in the world, the demand has gone there temporarily. And I suppose what some of those businesses are trying to do is if they're lucky enough to have other parts of their business to focus on driving those. So if it was, if it was suit hire and you were in the men's fashion business, um, that part is responding. And in fact, there has been pent up demand for, for ladies and gents fashion, particularly ladies fashion, when the reopening came. So some people that were at the other side of that with, say, ladies fashion um, surged back very quickly. I had one lady in North Cork and she did three times a normal week sale on week one. And that was with social distancing and less people in the shop. Um, and then it settled. And then it settled back to within around 90% of where it was last year. Another lady in Cavan, uh, ladies fashion. And um, while her physical shop hasn't come back to last year, it's at around 80% of last year, she has quadrupled her online sales and they have stayed with her. So there's a compensation effect there. And in fact, she's trading up when you put the two pieces together. So very much uh, mixed and very much uh, I suppose sector specific uh, are where some of the challenges are, are lying. There's there's other factors as well. You know, if we take Dublin city centre. I, somebody had passed an article to me five or six weeks ago. It was a New Zealand article which I read at the time, but didn't fully register with me. But what it was saying was obviously they're ahead of us on their journey, so they're good to look at. Whatever's happening with them earlier on probably will happen here. And the article was about all of their restaurants and cafes and businesses that came back in the city centre got their social distancing ready and got their menus and dusted everything off and stood there waiting and nothing happened. And of course, our little happened. And of course, little happened because the offices didn't come back. The tourists didn't come back to some of their cities. And we're seeing that now exactly in Dublin and some of the other cities. Several articles I read over the last three or four weeks saying exactly that. Restaurants with, you know, COVID seating of maybe 40 seats and maybe 10 people booked uh, for a meal. So that's challenging. 
Mm. Um, and, and again, despite that establishment's best efforts, if the people are not in the zone uh, of the city centre, it's, it's a hard one. Now, there, there are other examples where people have countered that uh, as well by reaching out beyond their normal catchment. Mm. Um, it's quite incredible, really, because when you say weddings and we think of suit hire and we think of hotels, but when you think of photographers, you think of people doing chocolate fountains, you think of DJs, huge uh, amount of reinvention having to go on with people, you know, and we see that around here. What do you think, think characterises uh, people who are responding best to these challenges? I think there's, there's a danger with all of this, and I, I have to check myself constantly that we don't stay focused on... There's, there's, there's a bad situation out there, for sure, and it's, it's worse than some of the sectors. But if you get sucked into that, um, and, and this is notwithstanding the really hard work that everybody's make, it, it will double the effect because you lose your objectivity. And I suppose what we're seeing out there is, despite all the odds, there are businesses that are you know, trying plan A, plan A doesn't work, they're on to plan B, on to plan C. Um, for example, so we, we heard and we talked about this, I think, the previous time, those that were doing the, the, the burger in a box kit mm. thing. This is where your burger comes to your home, not cooked, but raw, and you have the burger and the bun and the sauce and all of the trimmings. Or pizzas or whatever it is, yeah. Yeah, or pizzas, exactly. There was a whole array of those things. But I was talking to Bujo in, in Dublin, and they were the ones probably that they moved extraordinarily quickly once the lockdown came. So they, they did that, and uh, they did it quite successfully within a catchment around their restaurant. But they were now telling me that they are now national so, and that is going to become a permanent part of their business. So sometimes, I suppose, some businesses looked on some elements that you put in during COVID as, well, this is a temporary measure to keep us in place. Uh, they're now saying, actually, this is a permanent new revenue and perhaps a compensation revenue for what we're losing through the traditional model. You know, in some cases... Um, and in some businesses, perhaps the traditional model isn't going to come back for a long, long time in terms of the product and the product mix. And maybe it's time to look at something brand new uh, and maybe uh, a little little radical as, as part of that. So I was talking to a fashion retailer yesterday in, in Sligo, men's fashion, and that suit business, uh, suit hire business was, was affecting them badly, causing the business to be down but they have done Trojan work online, and that's where they've chosen to invest and to upskill uh, significantly. We've had some really good examples of online where I think, hand on heart, I would be able to say to anybody now, look, if your online isn't performing and if you have a great product range, there is only one conclusion, and I could list two dozen case studies to prove this, which is that people don't know you're there. So putting up a website or having a website isn't the challenge. You'd get that done with support and local enterprise office trading online vouchers and stuff like that. You'd get that done relatively simply. The job in hand is awareness, marketing, social media, um, and, and, and driving those multitudes of ways to get people onto your shop online. And if and I, I could put a shameless plug in for radio, because radio is a very effective way of complementing social media, because I think there's research shown that it has a multiplier effect on top of, of you can have the best website in the world, but if people don't aren't prompted to visit it. 
Well, I'll agree with you on that one because the, the very retailer that I'm talking about in Sligo actually took the brave move of doing radio advertising as well and well outside of his catchment area, went to other regions. So I asked yesterday, you know, is there evidence to suggest? And while it's hard to pin it exactly to the hour and the day and stuff like that, he was very, very happy with his spend and felt that radio contributed to the online promotion um, mm. and uh, was, he was able to get good rates he felt and, and certainly felt that it was coming through in the sales. He could see he was getting people from other territories around the country um, as, as part of that but for sure if, if anybody's out there listening and they have an online shop or site or whatever and you feel that it's not doing the business your sales are minimal go, go back to go back to base and look, look at the site to make sure it's okay and assuming your product range is in demand and good and your pricing is correct it's all about uh, marketing and we, we worked with a, a shop in, in uh, West Cork very remote in a very remote location between two towns um, and they have a quite a specialist uh, household range but she took the marketing piece, it got, got it instantly to say, I know why we're only doing €600 Euro, uh, a week uh, on this. Once, once we started to trash it through, she has since had a national uh, radio interview. She's been featured on several uh, newspaper articles. And, and this is things like the little Saturday magazine, little small panels and stuff like that. She's, she's engaged with several bloggers, bloggers. And she's doing five times, four to five times, uh, her uh, weekly sales online now, which is crucial to a business in a, a remote uh, location. James, so, a lot of businesses that I come across um, actually think of uh, marketing just purely in cost basis. And when times get tough, they say, like, I can't afford to market. What do you say to businesses like that? Well, if you, if you take it at zero marketing, um, I would always be saying to people, look, you're, you're now reliant on, on, on the wind and the weather and the COVIDs and all of those other things to drive your sales. So if it's good weather and that suits your business, you'll come up a bit. And if it's bad weather or if there's a COVID restriction, your business will come back down. So you must intervene. And you must be active. I'm always talking to people about having a calendar of activity, literally a wall planner that says, what am I doing and when am I doing it? And again, you know, look, absolutely acknowledging that people that are running their own businesses, you're probably tearing your hair out saying, here he is now loading an Odomark on top of us um, and we're already working 14-hour days. I I get that uh, fully. But if you don't stimulate the public, if you don't stimulate consumers... Um, you will just get that effect as to where the market is at. You have to intervene and you have to intercept the customer even before they think they want to shop. So if if Valentine's Day were coming up, if it were that time of the year, and we know that next week people are going to be out and looking for the gifts and the cards and all of that, get to them before anybody else gets to them. And that drives home a particular message, which is to say building with permission a GDPR uh, database of mobile numbers of email addresses is a crucial aspect of any retail or cafe or whatever because now you can talk to those people directly mm-hmm. don't over talk to them you know if you have text if you have mobile numbers talk to them five six times a year and maybe put out some sort of a newsletter or a communication either monthly or quarterly depending on the type of business you're in i remember a girl that ran um, an online web shop for a well-known um, a well-known health uh, food uh, shop. And she told us in an open forum that, that she, she had forgotten her newsletter. 
to go out and the sales dropped 20%. People were so in tune with this newsletter she was sending them and she would have tips and advice but she would also have product you know, launches and stuff like that on it. So talking to your customer directly um, and, and, and creating this sense that you can get in direct contact is a crucial part of that. Calendar of activity, vital. James, thank you very much. Uh, good advice there, and I look forward to talking to you again shortly. That's James Burke from James Burke and Associates, uh, an expert in retail, and some very practical advice there from him. Coming up, we're going to be talking about Back in Business, a Virgin Media initiative, and uh, we'll be chatting to Elaine Carroll, who's the CEO of the All Ireland Business Foundation. The bottom line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you in association with O'Neill Foley Accountants. Our website, onf.ie, shows the full range of services we provide to businesses large and small. Local at heart. You're very welcome back. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock. Now, Virgin Media Ireland have launched a 1 million euro support fund as part of its hashtag backing business initiative to boost Irish businesses throughout the country. And they're providing free on-air exposure, including creative production and profiles on relevant TV programmes and social media across the full Virgin Media platforms. And it's an initiative designed to underpin the renewal and recovery of business that's going on throughout communities all over the country in response, of course, to that ever-present and ongoing COVID-19 crisis. It's open to businesses across the country, still open, and it aims to give a national platform to showcase the resilience and ingenuity during these very challenging times. And they're going to feature as many Irish businesses as possible. And you'll probably have noticed if you've been watching any of the Virgin Media channels um, uh, on your television or indeed any device. I'm delighted to be joined by one of the companies who's being supported. Uh, I'm joined on the line by Elaine Carroll, who's CEO of the All-Ireland Business Foundation. Good morning, Elaine. Good morning, John. How are you? Very well. Tell us about the All-Ireland Business Foundation. So the EIBF, John, we're a national independent body and what we do is we identify, we acknowledge and we support Ireland's most ambitious and you know, visionary business leaders. Our prime focus, which many of your listeners this morning may have heard of, is the Business All-Stars, which is a national recognition program where we shine a spotlight on the very best businesses in Ireland. And I think, John, you mentioned there COVID and everything negative, should we say, that's going on. It's very easy for a company, you know, to, to be an ostrich maybe and to bury your head in the sand, you know, when times are tough. But I think today, more than ever, it's important for businesses to stand out in a way that not only gets you noticed and maybe, you know, gets you in front of your ideal audience, but allows you to illustrate the value that you bring to your customers and that you bring to the marketplace. So that's what the Business All-Stars is all about. It's about bringing social proof, third-party verification and trust, these currencies, to your business. Yeah, so we're delighted and honoured to be part of the Backing Business campaign, which allowed us to shine a spotlight on this initiative. Um, and as a result, it has shone a spotlight and over over 450 of our business all-star companies that we serve here at the foundation, John. Yeah, and um, we know how you earned an all-star in hurling or, or Gaelic football, indeed. But uh, to get a business all-star, you have an accreditation process and you have three different pillars. Tell us about those. So we look at three different things. We look at a company's performance um, and how they're doing. So the figures tell a story, but they don't tell it all. 
what is very, very important and the difference in the process, in the accreditation process, is we, do, we look for third-party proof and verification. So we talk to a company's buyers, their suppliers, their employees and members of staff. But I think the icing on the cake is the incognito or the mystery shopper element. Um, so that we are able to give at the end of a process, the company, a full report and feedback report, not only of how they are doing based on the figures, but how they're seen to be doing in the marketplace, you know, what other people say about them. And this is an absolutely invaluable element of feedback because we all know that, you know, based on feedback, we can improve performance and, you know, we can fill those gaps and those holes that we may not necessarily, you know, um, see ourselves but it also propels a business forward to achieve more and, and that. And when a company does become a business all-star, they join what we call the tribe or the Register of Irish Business Excellence. And currently in Ireland, there are over 450 companies um, who have successfully navigated the business all-star accreditation process. So they're displaying the all-star badge of honour um, uh, on either their product or at service level. Um, if you've ever seen, for example, been shopping for a bed in Harvey Norman, you may have seen the Briody beds. They've got an all-star range of beds. Um, if any of you are, for example, customers of Greyhound Recycling, if you ever ring their line, you may hear, welcome to Greyhound Recycling, the all-star waste management company. So we've got a range of companies of all shapes, of all sizes, across all industries throughout the island of Ireland. And I'd urge anyone that's listening this morning that if you see a company displaying the all-star badge of honour, you'll know that they're a good, really, really good, trustworthy and customer-centric uh, company to do business with. And you've arranged them around Carlo Kilkenny as well, I see. Yeah, Road we do have, absolutely. Plant. I think, um, just thinking there off my head, John, we've got like JJ Cavanaugh's and Sons, and I think if any of us, as you mentioned, the J have been to a match or have been travelling the roads, you see their, their fleet of buses on the roads. Um, we've got Kilkenny Salt Therapy, meant by Pembroke Kilkenny. Um, they're in Carlo in, for example, or in Kilkenny, in Carlo, we've got Doyle's Deli and Food to Go. So we've got a range of companies, as I said, all over the country, um, across all all different, all different sectors. And ones that have been hit differently by COVID. I know that I mentioned there, for example, JJ Cavanaugh and Sons. So in the industry, in the bus car industry, that obviously took a, a very hard knock, but it's, it's, you know, reassuring to see that things are coming to fruition and coming to life yeah. um, for, for many of our all-stars. And you know what? Being part of a peer network and a support group in that all of our business all-stars are collaborating to help each other and to spur each other on and to provide that element of peer support at a time when they need it most. And how are you finding that people are reacting to COVID? You mentioned resilience, you mentioned, you know, bouncing back positivity. It's a tough ask, but in your experience, how are your tribe doing? Yeah, so our tribe have been doing, you know, some have been doing better than others, right? And a lot of it is relative to the industry that they're actually in. So I think for, for ourselves as a business and listening to our business also, some of the best supports or help that they've, they have, should we say, received that are enabled them to trade their way through it. Um, number one has been the parking or the warehousing of, you know, the tax liabilities. But secondly, then the income supports primarily the wage subsidy scheme has been invaluable in helping many of our business all-stars to really trade through this. And we are hearing some really, really good news stories of really good business opportunities coming out of it um, and companies pivoting, um, aligning and partnering with other companies to look at areas maybe that they would not have looked at 
without COVID, you know, or without that, that catalyst, should we say. OK, that's Elaine Carroll there, who's the chief executive of the All-Ireland Business Foundation, who is one of the businesses that is being supported by the Virgin Media Backing Business Fund. And if your business would like to take part in that, all you have to do is send a short email outlining who you are and why you should be supported. And uh, you can do that to backingbusiness at virginmedia.ie or WhatsApp them at 89 the bottom line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie Now it's just coming up to 16 minutes away from 10 o'clock. John Purcell with you on the bottom line. And apologies for the sound quality there on that discussion I had with Elaine Carroll. I think I had a wrong button pressed, but... I'm only human. I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Rosemary Steen, who's the relatively newly appointed Chief Executive of the Design and Crafts Council of Ireland. Rosemary, congratulations on the new job, first of all. Um, Just tell us about, you've got a campaign which kind of ties in with the message we've been um, uh, getting across from loads of people over the last uh, number of weeks. Support local and all of that kind of stuff. And you've got a made local campaign. Tell us about that. Ah, yeah, John. No, look, delighted to be starting with uh, DCCOI. I mean, it's a fantastic uh, sector, design and craft sector. Nearly um, 6,000 employees in our clients, you know, 500 million in products produced every year. I was just checking yesterday, you know, when you look at Intel, even, um, who employ nearly 5,000 people, our sector is actually bigger. And at times, I think that gets lost. So Made Local is our attempt. When I came in, obviously, started at a very difficult time, John, in February. And I was I was really kind of going, what can I do here quickly to try and help? And there's a great team um, in, in DCCOI, and we were all putting our heads together. So we decided to do some research with the Morrick. And basically, we surveyed 2,000 Irish people in June in terms of their attitude towards design and craft. And I suppose we wanted to check, would Irish people spend and support Irish craft and design in the middle of this kind of very challenging situation? And the feedback that came back from that very strongly was, yes, they would. Over 75% uh, said that they were very supportive of buying, um, you know, locally made craft and design. So we got our great community together of makers and retailers. Um, We now nearly have 900 um, in this campaign. And we said, right, what can we do? And um, the feedback was that a branded campaign that made these products really stand out in store to aim at the staycation market would be a huge help. So we came up with a a fantastic design. Andrew Bradley from... um, our board helped and we had great support from Mary Palmer who chairs our task force and basically we came up with this uh, very blue distinctive uh, campaign so that when people are in store they can see the products that are made in their community. Yeah and there's a huge appetite for people to kind of create heirlooms and buy something special. It's not all just about quick turnover consumer brands. With craft it's kind of like oh 2020 the year of Covid that was the year I bought the lovely car turned wooden bowl or something like that there is a big appetite for that kind of stuff isn't it i i suppose covid look it's hugely challenging and for people who've lost relatives it's it's been absolutely an awful time 
if there's one small benefit from it, it's it's that people maybe have are more reflective at the moment and are thinking more deeply maybe about what they buy and what they interact with. And that came back through the research uh, that people wanted really to consider more what they bought and the heritage of what they bought. So these are kind of what I describe as forever purchases. You know, they're things that can be passed down through the family. And I suppose what we saw, particularly we were surprised at in the research, was that age group from 20 to 30 are much more interested now in the sustainability of the products that they're purchasing. So they want to purchase less and they want to purchase, um, if you like, something that they know the history of. So we've tried in the campaign to make sure that those products, we're promoting them on all our social media and, you know, we're trying to highlight the individual products. And some of our makers, you know, we've fantastic videos from Glenn Lucas. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've really tried to encourage visibility on our, our social media channels of the, of the great products that are there when you're talking about wood turning products that people in the local Carlo Kenny community can can buy. Mm. And um, when I so mentioned craft I was kind of hopping straight into the wood bowl and the handmade mm, wooden mm. bowl but it, it craft is so much bigger it's clothing it's tableware it's it's it's, it's jewelry. Uh, yeah. It's jewellery. I mean, we would have in the campaign, you know, reed line ceramics, um, uh, Castle Arch pottery, Cushendale woolen, woolen mills, Jerpoint glass, um, you know, Jim Kelly jewellery, um, you know, Joe Brown, the kind of skin products. So it's a whole category of small business. Mm. But I suppose the key thing that we want to get across is if you spend with those businesses, you really are giving an injection into your local economy because so much of what you spend goes back into those businesses. And so design and craft, so much part of the brand of Kilkenny in particular, but also Carlo, because there's people there too. But I mean, Kilkenny built its image, really. It was just another pretty drab provincial town in the mid-60s until Kilkenny Design came across, which led to a whole mushrooming of, of businesses, craft businesses and tourism out of it and mm. so on. Well, listen, the heritage of the, the yard and what happened there, it's really amazing. It was the first national state agency outside Dublin. And I have to say, this is what attracted me to the job, John, because the heritage there in terms of what was done through the, the you know, from the formation of the agency to now, it's really amazing. And it's, it's very much at the core of Kilkenny. And I hope it'll be at the core of the recovery around Kilkenny Carlo. We as a, an agency really want to, to do, the, do that work and make sure that we, we drive those kind of sales into the local businesses. So at the moment, we'd have 50 makers from Carlo Kilkenny involved in the campaign and um, about seven stores. And we'll be looking um, as well at rerunning this campaign, we hope, before Christmas. And finally, so um, Rosemary, um, people can yeah. check out Made Local on hashtag Made Local online. Mm -hmm. But uh, tell us about Connected. Yeah, well, Connected is an exhibition, an outdoor school around Kilkenny, uh, which we have launched in partnership with a number of our local uh, Kilkenny Civic Trust and the council to use that space and I suppose to show that heritage and you were talking about that earlier with the minister. So it's a fantastic exhibition, 20 um, sites, I think we've nearly uh, 23 work, uh, 45 individual works. So please, um, you know, if you get time and you're walking around Kilkenny, take a look. The details of the sculpture trail are now up on Google Maps. So um, I have the link, it's uh, ndcg.ie connected so if you look at the National Craft Design Gallery website it's 
there and you can get the details of the walking trail. But I'd really encourage people and I want to thank the community groups, including Open Circle Arts and Amber Refuge, um, who worked with us as part of some of the exhibits. They're really beautiful. Okay, Rosemary, thank you very much. That's Rosemary Steen, who's the Chief Executive of the Design and Crafts Council of Ireland, newly appointed, joining, as she said, in February of this year and telling us about the hashtag Made Local campaign. We're going to be catching up with Carlo Local Enterprise Office after the break. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you in association with O'Neill Foley Accountants. Our website, onf.ie, shows the full range of services we provide to businesses large and small. At the heart of it all. Casey Law, indeed, at the heart of it all, seven and a half minutes away from 10 o'clock. John Purcell with you on the bottom line. Uh, Edward Hayden coming up after the news at 10, and he'll have loads of stuff to keep you interested and entertained. And then, of course, we've got a great afternoon sport with you uh, on Casey Law Live commentaries coming from all over the place, so do stay tuned. Free to air and full of passion and full of excitement, and Brendan Hennessy as well, and Michael Walsh and all the team. Um, but we're going to keep very much on the whole team uh, that has been coming through strongly from Minister Malcolm Noonan this morning uh, to the Chief Executive Rosemary Steen of the Design and Crafts Council and it's all about supporting local and Casey Law has been delighted uh, to be working with Carlo and Kilkenny Local Enterprise Offices uh, during the last number of months and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Orla or sorry by Anya Carey who's Enterprise Executive with Carlo Local Enterprise Office. Good morning Anya. Morning, John. How are you? Very well. Now, um, we ran a campaign with you guys called uh, Shop Local, Shop Safely. Tell us a bit about the background to the campaign. Well, I suppose we were delighted to work with Casey Lauren Kilkenny on the Shop Local campaign. Um, it was all about keeping it in the, in the county and it was to set a positive message to the um, people to try and shop local. Um, I suppose it's during the lockdown, everyone began to shop online and got comfortable shopping online. And this was to try and help people to get back into the shops and into the town. Yeah, and there was a lot of anxiety there, Anya, from people. If we cast our minds back just a few short weeks to the start of July, people had got out of the habit of actually going into shops. Exactly, yeah. And it was to try and show people as well the lengths that the businesses were going to, to make their uh, places feel safer and safer for the customers and for them to be able to go in and shop and do their normal routine and it was to try and get people back into the towns and yeah, and it worked very well, and we, we travelled around um, Kilkenny and Carlow. We were in Carlow Town, Tullow, Bagnallstown and Boris. Um, I met you in Boris. We had a great day up there. The weather was good to us. Tell us about, you know, a typical day. How did Boris go? Um, yeah, well, they all went brilliant. We were very lucky with the weather, and there were so many people around the place. And we spoke to many um, different businesses, um, all different types of businesses, and... Um, and we would uh, Carlow Town was our first stop, and um, well, a few of the businesses that we spoke to in Carlow Town was uh, Bramley's Jewellers and uh, Tully's Bar as well. So two completely different businesses, both doing different things to try help people back into their stores. And then we went out to Bagnell's Town, 
and um, Tolo and Boris. And again, uh, Tolo, we are very lucky with the weather. <coughs> Sorry. Um, <coughs> it was very um, sunny for the whole show. And then just literally after the show ended, it started to rain. So we were really lucky with the weather in Tullow. Yeah, yeah. And and we were talking earlier on the programme with James Burke about, you know, mixing radio and social media and all that. I was quite amazed with the figures on social media that we were able to generate as well. Yeah, well, on Facebook alone, we actually reached over 117,000 people. So that's massive engagement in the campaign. So there's a, a real appetite. So so we, yeah. we kind of tapped into something really special there. And there's still a competition ongoing. I think if people want to, people love a competition regardless of COVID, if people want yeah. to get involved in that. So the last um, stop we had was Boris and the competition is still ongoing. So it's the Shop Carlo competition. And if you visit the local enterprise office Facebook page, you can tell us which bar of business did you miss the most during the lockdown, and then you can be in for the running of a Step House hotel voucher. Yeah, now finally, um, Anya, if you want to tell us a bit about the other stuff that the local enterprise offices are doing to um, help businesses, because people aren't out of the woods yet by any stretch. No, exactly, John. So um, we have many training and information sessions um, available to people all through Zoom, so there's no, uh, we're following all the guidelines. Um, you can see everything on our uh, website, on the local enterprise office, Carlo website. Um, one of them, just as an example, is the digital media masterclass. And obviously, again, keeping with the online. And then um, we have information sessions for the Restart Grand Plus, uh, which was announced recently. Um, and then there's also the trading online voucher scheme. So that is to get people, businesses online to either create a website or to develop a website. So that's also still avail- available for people to apply to. And then um, there's mentoring as well. So if people are having issues with certain areas, we can um, appoint a mentor to help them in specific areas. Okay, so on yeah, well, all available through our um, website, the local enterprise office, Carlo. Okay, Anya, we're going to have to leave it there. That's Anya Carey from uh, Carlo Local Enterprise Board bringing the programme to a close for this week. Thanks to all our guests, to Minister Malcolm Noonan, James Burke, Elaine Carroll, Rosemary Steen and Anya Carey, who you heard there. Thanks to Deirdre Drummy, who produced. Uh, We'll be back next week, just after the nine o'clock news. Don't forget, you can contact the bottom line at uh, at kclaura96fm.com. That's our website address. You can download the podcast, search for The Bottom Line KCLR. Until next week, goodbye. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice, www.omf.ie.